0: Good morning, Gateway. It is so good to be together. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, I hope that all the husbands out there have done their wives proud. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Sam and I have the privilege of looking after or helping to look after the, the children and the young people here at Gateway. And today we are continuing our series on being radical disciples. I don't know about you, but I have been really blessed by this series. I've been really encouraged I've been really challenged and it has helped me to really think through what it looks like for me to live as a follower of Jesus every day of my life today we are going to be looking at our identity in Christ and something that I think we would all be able to agree on or at least would all know is that who we are determines what we do and how we live, okay? Who we are determines what we do and how we live our lives. So, I will never be a triathlete. I do not have the lungs for it. I will never be a mathematician. I do not have the brain for it. And no one is ever likely to call me introverted because I'm too excited around people. Who we are determines what we do. It determines the way that we live our lives. But not just that, who we think we are also determines how we act. What we believe about ourselves determines how we live. And so I've got an illustration to use for those of you that have seen Toy Story 4, um, which is a film you may be familiar with the character Forky. If you have not seen Toy Story 4, don't worry about it because it's quite a simple illustration. But Forky, as you might know by the name, is a spork. He's a little plastic spork, okay? And in the film, he becomes a toy. And the way that he becomes a toy is a little girl picks him out of the rubbish bin, puts some pipe cleaners on him, and as toys do in Toy Story, he becomes a toy. But Forky has a bit of a contrast of interest. So Forky still believes that he is rubbish, so the whole film, you see the main characters, so kind of kind of Woody and Buzz Lightyear, chasing this little plastic spork around, having to dig him out of the bin, dig him out of landfills because he is convinced that he is trash or rubbish, as we'd say, in the United Kingdom. And actually, it gets to the point where at the end, he starts to believe that he's a toy, believe that he is loved by this little girl and is created to be loved by her and to love her in return. And that's just, that's a silly illustration, and I hope you, you can appreciate and enjoy that. But actually that is, it helps us to understand that who we believe ourselves to be completely, completely changes how we act, how we live. And as a result, this has a massive impact on how we live as radical disciples. Because who we believe ourselves to be will impact, will alter, will change, will influence how we live our lives. So if we want to be radical disciples for Jesus, giving everything to follow him we will not be able to do that if we don't know who we are and we don't believe who God has said that we are and there is a reason that this is the battleground right the battleground of the mind who we are in Christ there's a reason this is the most hotly contested area of the enemy for the enemy in our lives and this is because if he can get us to doubt who God says that we are or to not know who God says that we are, then we will not have the impact that we otherwise would have on breaking strongholds, on seeing the kingdom of darkness pushed back and seeing the kingdom of light established, seeing the, the light and the message of the gospel go forth into Ashford and into the world. This area of our minds, who we are and who we believe ourselves to be, is the place that the enemy most tries to trip us up. Because if he can tempt us to sin, if he can tempt others to sin against us, if he can get us to doubt who God says that we are, then we become less powerful. We become less impactful in the way that we live our lives to the kingdom. And that's not because the power's gone or the way that God uses us is gone, but because how we live our lives is determined by who we believe ourselves to be. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 says that it is for freedom that we have been set free. John 8, 36 says that if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. But if we don't know who we are and believe who God has said that we are, then we will not be living in the freedom that Christ has won for us. So the question then is, who are we? Who, who are we? Well, the Bible would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that we are a new creation. That the old has passed away and the new has come. That we have died to our sin in Jesus' death and been raised to new life in Jesus' resurrection. And this is the picture that we get in baptism. That as as we go down into the water, it is a picture of us dying, being buried to our old way of life, our old sinful life. And as we are brought back out of the water in baptism, that is the picture of us being raised to new life in Jesus. 1 Peter 1.23 would would put it slightly differently and say that we are born again. That these images of being made new, of being born again, that, that, that sin, the sin that once entangled you, enslaved you and killed you has been washed away by the blood of Jesus. That you are forgiven fully, freely and forever. So what then does it mean to be made new? So we are made new, we are a new creation, we are born again. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20 will say it like this, that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. The question of identity starts not with who am I, but whose am I whose am I you see we've, we've spoken already in this series of discipleship that we are all following something we're all following someone we are all disciples of something and, or someone but what the Bible would say that is, if we are following Jesus we are a new creation we are born again we are not our own we are God's who am I is answered by asking, whose am I? And we are God's. And this is why Richard's message last week is so important, because we cannot and will not understand who we are without understanding whose we are. I'm just going to say that again, that we cannot and will not understand who we are without first understanding whose we are all our identity is wrapped up in the fact in the undeniable truth that in christ we are gods that we are gods but we are gods what well we are god's adopted children You can see this in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, that we are heirs of eternal life and and partakers of the inheritance that Jesus is going to have at the end of the world. That you need to believe this. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are loved. You are liked. You are valued. You are wanted. Before the foundation of the world, before the world was made, before God first spoke that first part of creation into being, he chose you. He chose you. He chose you to be his adopted son, his adopted daughter, because he loves you, because in his grace he has decided to do that that you are a child of God. You're a son of God, a daughter of God, that you get access to the throne of the king. And Hebrews 4.16 would say, it's not just access, like you, you get in the door, but you can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence, with confidence, because that you are a child. You are a child of God. God will never love you more. He will never love you less He loves you fiercely. He delights in you. I loved Sue's prophetic song because it is saying exactly this. But it is possible, it is possible for us to be a son or a daughter of God and to live like an orphan. It is possible for it to be 100% true on every level that there is, that you are a child of God, a son or a daughter of God, and for you to live your life as an orphan. And it robs your life. It robs your life of meaning. It robs your life of purpose. And it robs your life of belonging. And this is part of my story. This is part of my story is, I have wrestled with this since I came to Christ. I have wrestled with what it looks like to just let God love me. To not try and prove myself to God. To not try and earn his approval, earn his affection, but just to accept that God loves me. Because the lies that I believe is that I am not good enough. That that actually, why would God love someone like me? What have I done? What is value can I add to God? And the reality is that the value comes from the fact that he loves me. And this came to a head for me when I heard a a message by Simon Holly on this at New Day a few years ago. And and he was talking about this, about this orphan heart that we can have. And God just cut me to the core and I saw that that was the way I was living. I was trying to earn his approval. I was trying to prove to him that I was worthy of his love. And I I I was a mess. I mean, it was snot and tears and just absolute just brokenness. But in that, God started to restore my heart. Because this is who we are. We are God's children. You are God's child. You are his son and you are his daughter. But not only that, you are God's handiwork. We can see this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. That you have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not by good works, and this is what Barney's message of, of grace was all about a few weeks ago, but for good works, that you are his handiwork. That this is important because, because knowing this is liberating. Because when we know that we are our God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the works of God, then it answers the question, what am I here for? What am I here for? Well, you are here to do the works of God as you are loved by him as his child. We're not limited by our sin. We're not limited by our past. We are not limited by our failures and our mistakes. We are not even limited by the natural order of things. We are God's handiwork. We have been born again for good works. We've been made new to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to pray like Jesus, to care for people like Jesus, to see miracles break through like Jesus, to see his rule and reign come on earth as it is in heaven. This is who we are. We are God's handiwork. And we can do this because God has given us everything we need to do it. Namely himself. And again, this is something that we've looked at in this series, that the the power of the Spirit is how we live as radical disciples. That we live by the power of the Spirit, that God has given us everything that we need to do the works that he's given us to do. In the power of his Spirit, by his grace, as we live in union with Christ. This is what we're created for. This is what we're saved for, to be like him. And to show him and share him in the world around us. However, it is possible and it is possible to be God's handiwork and live a little bit like Forky. It is possible to be made and made new and born again and live like you think you're rubbish to be paralyzed by fear of stepping out in obedience, to believe, really believe deep down that you are not good enough, that you are not smart enough, that you are not pretty enough, That you are not competent enough. And I could go on and on and on and on. Because I have lived my entire Christian life hearing people count themselves out for the kingdom of God. Because of lies that they have believed. They are not true. You are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do the will of him. And he's given you his spirit so you can do it. You are God's handiwork. He's created you for a purpose. He has put you in the family he's put you in, in the circumstances he's put you in, in the job he's put you in, in the neighborhood he's put you in, with the skills that he's given you, in the environment that you live in, for such a time as this. Because he has got a plan and a purpose that he wants to use you for now and now. Not later, not when you've got it together, not when these issues that you think you've got squared, that you've got, you know, kind of, that are stopping you are all squared away. Now, you are God's handiwork. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are God's handiwork. And if you want any more encouragement, look at the life of the disciples. Please, genuinely, please just look at them. They are fishermen and tax collectors and zealots, They get it wrong every day of the week and twice on Sunday. You know, Peter chops off some guy's right ear because he thinks that's how the kingdom of God comes, after walking with Jesus for three years. He denies Jesus to his face three times. The Gospel of John says that after Peter denies him Jesus for the third time, Jesus looks at him. The disciples, James and John, offer to call down fire from heaven to blow up a town because they've denied Jesus. If you want encouragement, look on the pages of scripture. No one has it all together other than Jesus. And he gives us all that we need to live for him. Thirdly, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. This is who we are. It says this in 1 Corinthians 6:19 that both individually as ourselves and corporately as the church, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God on earth, that we are the place of the power of God, of the presence of God of his goodness here on earth. That we, both individually and together as the church, are where people are to come to discover and worship God. That's who we are. That's what it means to be the church. But it is possible, and it is possible both as individuals and corporately, to live not as a temple but as a shrine. And by that, what I mean is it's kind of like a, a nice head nod or acknowledgement. You know, you have it up in your house or, or you see it on the roadside or, you know, kind of there's, there's a, 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 an offering towards it. You know, you know, here's my devotion. It's here. It's nightly tucked away in this little alcove that I can come to when I want to and when I need something or want something. But that's not who we are. We're not a place that's robbed of power. Or a place that is robbed of the presence of God. That we, both individually and corporately together, are the place of his presence and power on earth. We are the place of his goodness. We are the place of his worship. We are the place where people are to come to discover Jesus. As we go out into the world and as we meet together as God's people. And if we want to see God move like he did in Acts, and so often I'm in conversations with believers where this is the case. I I want to see God move like he did in Acts. I want to see God move like he did in the New Testament. We want to see revival. We sing songs about revival. We want to see the church reformed. We want to see this nation change. We want to see Ashford transformed by the kingdom of God. But that will never happen until we know and believe that as individuals and together we are temples of the holy spirit we are the place of his presence and his power on earth and as we live as we are in the freedom that we have won we will see god break through in the ways that we want him to because he is faithful to do it in his timing according to his purposes as we live out our identity in who we are in him In order to be a radical disciple, we need to know who we are and believe who God has said that we are. And really practically, like genuinely getting down to the real nuts and bolts of this, we need to speak truth over ourselves You need to say to yourself that you are God's adopted son or daughter. You need to say to yourself that you are God's handiwork. You need to say to yourself that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you think that sounds mental, you need to know that you're hearing a lot of other messages. You are being told by the adverts you watch on television, by the social media that you consume, by the news that we read in the morning and in the evening, that you are not good enough, that politics is the answer. That there is, there is things that you have to have to be satisfied and to be happy. And if those are the messages that we are consuming and those are the lies that the enemy is using to, to render us impotent and powerless in the fight, we need to then battle those lies and confront those lies with truth. We are God's adopted children. We are heirs. We are god's handiwork we are temples of the holy spirit and church we've got to stop letting our brothers and sisters believe these lies we need to have permission in one another's lives that when we speak lies about ourselves that we're not good enough or pretty enough or smart enough or clever enough or competent enough that we don't know our bibles enough that we don't have powerful enough prayers to do the work of god we need to confront the lies of the enemy We need to be the ones that love our our brothers and sisters in Christ enough to say, no, that's not true. That's not true. This is who you are in Christ. And to that end, as I was preparing this week, I felt like God had given me some words of knowledge about lies that specific people, specific people had believed and, and that God wants to set you free from this morning. And so I'm just going to read these and I would just encourage you to respond and whether that is in the chat function or whether that is coming on to Zoom online, which would probably be better, or ringing someone that you know in the church who can pray with you. But the first is this, there is, I believe, someone who is listening to this this morning who has believed the lie that you are fundamentally unlovable. So it's not, it's not that you kind of, you sometimes doubt whether you're loved, that you have believed in the, in the core of who you are, that you are fundamentally unlovable. I believe that God has said that that's because you have had this communicated to you through a father figure. I believe that you feel like this has been confirmed to you through relationships. I believe that it, this is for a woman, and I think the, the, it may even be that your name is Susan. But you need to hear this morning the truth, because those are lives that you are fundamentally loved. You are fundamentally loved, that you are a new creation, that you are God's adopted daughter. And if you are hearing this and and you're a man or your name isn't Susan, that you also need to hear that and to respond to that this morning if you know that this is you. The second is this: that there is someone, or maybe more than one person, who's listening to this and is saying that, okay, but you know, for me, like God's love, it's it's a distant thing. It's 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 an abstract thing. It's not it's not something I could ever feel or experience. Or I've tried to feel or experience God's love, but I've kind of not felt it in the way I wanted to. And so I know it's just it's it's a distant thing. And that's a lie. You are God's adopted son and daughter. That for you, God wants you to taste and see his goodness. That the promise of, of Psalm 27, that you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, is for you. That God would want you to know this morning that he wants you to know his love. Not just intellectually, but he would want you to know his love in your heart of hearts. Thirdly, I feel like there's someone, and again, it could be more than one person here this morning, who has believed the lie that your life won't amount to much. That God isn't going to use you, he's going to use other people. And I believe that at least for someone listening, this is because you have been told by a school teacher that you will not amount to anything and the picture that i had when i was when i was hearing this from god is i had a picture of a woodworking room and i feel like this may have happened at the end of a dt lesson and that you have believed the lie that you will not amount to much and it is a lie because you are god's handiwork created in christ jesus for good works he's got a plan for you and he will Use you as you open up your life to the power of the Spirit and to following Him. Fourthly, I, I believe there's someone here that's, that's saying, I, "I've got to get my life together before I can follow God. The, I've got my I'm, I'm busy. I've got a schedule. I've got kids. I've, I, I can't, God can't use me. There's no space in my life for God to use me. And that's a lie." And this morning, God would want to say to you that that you are his temple. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you carry the power and the presence of God wherever you go. No matter how busy you are, you carry God's presence with you, that he will use you in the spaces that you are in. And so ask him to use you in those spaces. Finally, I, I feel like there's someone this morning where where you believe that God doesn't care what you do as long as you are nice to people. And I don't know whether that's this morning because you are listening to this and you have never made the decision to follow Jesus or whether actually it is because you have decided to follow Jesus but you've, just, you've heard the lie that God doesn't care as long as you're nice. But that's, that's not just a lie, that's sin. You're not your own, you were bought with a price to glorify God. You are God's handiwork, God's temple, God's adopted son and daughter. And so I would encourage you this morning, encourage you this morning, respond. And if you've been touched by this message in any other way, respond. Let's live out our identity in Christ so that we can live as radical disciples. We know who we are because we know whose we are.